If you haven't met before, I'm Dave. I'm the high school pastor. And, man, it is really good to be back in this room. It just, yeah, it's great to be back in here. So um, we are starting a brand new series today called Status. This is a series in relationships. And this was not a ploy to get you guys to come back to church. But it is good to see you, though. It is great to see you. Uh, We actually do this about every four years, and it was going to happen last year, and then last year happened, so we decided to change it to this year. So so we're starting it uh, here for the fall, and I'm going to give you guys an overview of the series so you got to know what to expect the next few months. That's right. I said months. And uh, so this will be a long series, but I think it's needed. Um, Next few weeks... We're going to do two weeks on dating, the who and the how, and then engagement, one series, one week on that. And uh, this will not be like a how to propose thing. Just that it'll be like, how do you know this is the right person? Um, but some of you guys do need help on that, though, because I've seen some lame proposals, by the way. Um, and then there's also two on marriage. We'll talk about marriage. And then one talk to the guys, one talk to the girls. But, of course, both of you guys can still be present while we yell at the other gender. Um, and then... Sexuality, part one, part two, just looking at God's design, like why did God design us this way? And then we started getting into like sexuality broken as we get toward the end of the series. And this is a week on the gospel and pornography. We're going to do two weeks on same-sex attraction, two weeks on gender identity. Really these issues, of course, are things that, are, um, that our culture is talking about, the church is talking about, or needs to talk about. And uh, we really feel like we want to make sure we're talking about these things from the uh, perspective of the gospel and God's word. And so that'll be toward the end of the series. Then at the very end, we're going to do a Q&A panel with some leaders, and they will have uh, forewarning on what questions that you guys are going to ask. You guys will have a way of texting in questions throughout the series, and we're going to have a Q&A panel at the end. But also, if there are questions that you guys ask that can be addressed in a specific talk, we'll do that as well. Um, but we'll put the ones that might require more attention toward the end of the series at the Q&A panel. If you guys can pull out your phones right now, which many of you guys already have them out anyway, um, if you want to be part of the message thread, this is not a public thread. No one else is going to see what you write. Um, this will be, will enroll you in the, in the message thread to ask questions later on in the series. So you can keep this thread in your phone from now until December for all we care. And uh, but to enroll... This is a, um, it's called Poll Everywhere, Anywhere, I forget the name of it, but that's a service we're using, and we will not see your number. It'll be totally anonymous. We won't see your name or number. Um, that stuff is not, we can't see it through this system. So um, text, all caps, TBC Overflow, 254, because that's where we live, and uh, to the number 22333. That will enroll you in the student text message deal. And if you have a question that you want us to address in this series or at the Q&A panel at the very end, please ask. And uh, be as specific as you can be and ask questions that you guys might have. Um, if we can't get to all these in the series, we'll be able to find a way to answer those questions, other ways of doing that. But that will enroll you guys in the system there, and you guys can ask questions over the next few weeks and months as we move forward. So my job... Um, isn't just to get you guys ready for the next 48 years, but I see my job as getting you ready for the rest of your life. And this series will be about that. We're going to be looking at God's ultimate purpose for relationships and then showing how it relates to the seasons of singleness and dating and marriage, if God has that for you. So now when I started out in youth ministry, I thought I was going to officiate 
lots and lots of weddings, right? I thought that I would have this great impact on students and that they'd return when they're like 20, 21, 22, and be like, you had such an impact on my life. Can you please perform our, my, my marriage? And, and um, that's what I pictured in my head. But I will tell you, I've done about 14 weddings, most of whom have not been former students of mine. And the question is, either they just don't like me, or the other possibility might be that people are delaying marriage further and further and further. And by the time they actually get married, they don't even know who Dave Tate is anymore, right? Because they've moved on, and they're almost 30 at that point. Because here's the reality. People are delaying marriage more than ever. The average age in 1990 for women was 23. Men was 26. And in, as recent as 2017, women, it's 27, and for men, it's 29. And uh, so this might be changing because I think COVID kind of did something because I've gone to a lot of younger weddings lately of students that are like 21, 22. I did a wedding of a girl that used to be in this youth group. I think she was like 19 or 20 when she got married. And uh, so uh, COVID may have done something to us psychologically that maybe that changed, but the trend has been going later and later and later. And here's some reasons, I think, that people are starting to delay marriage or have been delaying marriage. One is fear of divorce. You've seen it in your families. And many think they're going to mess up marriage or be messed up by marriage, and so they might delay for that reason. Others are things like communication confusion. We talked last week in our last talk in From the Heart, we talked about how communication has totally changed now. So when I was young or in this relationship stage deal, um, it was, you had two, three options. You could, you could write a letter, you could talk in person, or talk on the phone. Those were your three options. And now you guys have all of that, but like 500 other ways you can communicate with someone. And there's also like direct communication and indirect communication. Like this guy keeps on using lots of emojis and exclamation points in his message. He seems really excited to talk to me or text me. Does that mean something? And so there's all these like weird indirect communications now. And the communication script now lacks clarity. Like it's very common in your generation to text someone and ask them out through texting, which I think is totally lame. Totally lame. Like you need to experience the awkwardness of things that my generation had to experience, okay? And so I know I sound like a grandpa right now, but you need to experience that. You should not be let off the hook because of some technology someone cooked up. And uh, so that's a whole different, we'll get to that later on in, in another talk, but uh, there's communication confusion. There's also, there's too many choices. So dating apps, they brought in the pool for people on who they want to choose to date. And there's also this pressure to find a soulmate. Like, who's that perfect person who's going to meet my every emotional need? And so um, that can be why people have delayed marriage. So I'm going to put my cards on the table at the very beginning of this series. The million-dollar question is, should people date in junior high or high school? And I would say no most of the time. Most of the time. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way, but I have seen most high school students I've seen do it the wrong way. How do I know? 
Well, I was one of them. I was guilty of it myself when I was in high school, and I've seen it for over 20 years now. I have seen exceptions, but that's why they're called exceptions. Um, I saw one couple that I went to school with that uh, liked each other in eighth grade who ended up getting married after college. They waited until it was like eight-year dating relationship, but they did it the right way. They did it the right way. I did my, uh, my nephew's wedding a few years ago, and he met this girl. I think, I think she was like 15 when she said, I'm going to marry Blake Tate. She, she declared it to the world, apparently. And, uh, and that's the story, how the story goes. I think he was two years older than, than she was. So they got married at like 20 and 18. That's kind of rare, but it, it happened. They did it the right way. So when I say it's not wise, often, most of the time, don't take my word for it. Even secular publications think dating is not the greatest idea for younger people. There's an article in Cosmopolitan. I know y'all read Cosmo, don't you? Especially the guys. I know you read Cosmo. Um, it says a new study published in the Journal of Adolescence found that children who had romantic relationships earlier in life are more likely to have issues as they grew older. Those who start dating young are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, among other social problems. I could really scare your parents with this article. Dave, should we let our kids date? Yeah, if you want them doing drugs, go right ahead. So what is the connection? Why do they say this? The article goes on to say, that's because young kids are more likely to form unhealthy attachments to their partners, make poor decisions because of their partner, like trying drugs if he or she does, and take breakups a lot harder than the rest of us due to a lack of cognitive development. A rough breakup could cause deeper and more long-term emotional problems in children compared with adults. Now, I know many people would say that, um, like, breakups at your age are just, it's like, what's the big deal? Like, who really cares? It's just, like, high school, junior high stuff. And I would say it becomes a bigger deal because of where you are at in your maturity. And it's harder to handle because of just where you're at emotionally in your development. Now, maybe I have not seen, maybe I haven't seen students jump from, relationships to drugs, all right? But I have seen many students use relationship like a drug. I have seen that. And something else I have seen is that oftentimes when a, a, a student is in an unstable home life, it might be parents are still together, but there's just a lot of a stuff happening in the home, or parents are separated or divorced, or there's just a lot of chaos in the relationship. I have seen unstable home life can lead to starting relationships too early because I think what happens is the, the, the student's looking for an escape and they're looking for some sense of stability and that relationship gives them some sense of family stability because their family right now is, is in chaos and I have seen that happen a lot. Or some students, they just view high school dating kind of like practice. You can insert the Allen Iverson quote there if you want, but um, like, like practice, like just, you know, it's just getting ready for the real thing later on in life. And I love what J.D. Greer says. He says, dating is a road that leads to marriage, and if you aren't ready for the destination, then get off the road. I think that's very helpful advice for us, especially at your stage of life. I don't think seeing it as like practice is a great way to approach a dating relationship. 
So in this series, we're going to talk about this idea of starting at the end, or what's called reverse engineering. That's a big word, but here's what it means. It means anticipating life forward and then living it backward. So instead of starting with when should I date or how should I date, we start with marriage. Like what kind of marriage would I want in the future possibly? What does a healthy marriage look like? Who are the people in my life that I can look at and say, you know what, they're 20 years down the road. I want to know what they're, how they got to the point that they got to in this marriage relationship. So how do we honor God? We have to start at the end and then work backward. So when you think about a, like a building being constructed, who do you hire first? You don't hire the um, builder first. You hire the architect first the one that's going to design the thing, the builder comes second. So a builder would never just start, you know, pouring concrete, laying down pipe in the ground, or, or putting up walls without a vision for what it should all look like. You've got to have a plan and a vision for what it looks like first. That's the architect's job. Then the builder comes along and does the work. But that's how many people approach relationships. They just start just not really having intention or, or purpose behind it, there's no plan, no thought about the future. We just react. We just, we just think, well, I like this person or they like me, or we start texting or talking or whatever, hanging out. And there's really four ways, I think, to live out these kinds of relationships. The first is just reaction. This is being guided by your feeling, your fears, your fleshly desires, just reacting to what's around you. That's it. There's no intention or purpose. And then secondly, there's conformity. This was my struggle in high school. Everyone around you is doing this, and so I'm going to do the exact same kind of thing. And so there's this, this pressure that you feel to conform to those around you. Then thirdly, there's independence. Being guided by a false view of freedom and just doing what you want. This might be... Well, my parents say this, and I'm just not really wanting to take their advice about much of anything right now, so I'll just throw relationships into the mix of that, in the, in the midst of that, and you just want your independence, so, and so the relationship becomes this way of you planting the flag of your independence from your parents. That might be how it's happening in your life right now. And then lastly is intentionality. This is reverse engineering your life and living it with a purpose. So out of these four, which one do you think is most wise? I would say the last one, the fourth one. But the question is, which one are you living out? Or which one are you tempted to live out in your life? In our From the Heart series, uh, Riley Weston, he covered, did a talk on singleness, did a great job on that. But I'm going to say more about those passages here this morning. And I'm pulling a lot of this from a talk I heard by a guy named J.D. Greer. In 1 Corinthians, you guys can turn there if you want in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about singleness and marriage. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, Paul says this strange statement. He says, I wish that all were as, my, as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So Paul, of course, was, was single. Now, Paul's not anti-marriage, but he's saying that I wish that all could be content in their singleness like I am. Why? So they can focus more on God's work. Now, when he says gift, he means singleness and marriage. Because in, in Paul's view, both 
are gifts from God. So you might say it like this, both marriage and singleness are temporary gifts that God uses for the fulfillment of his purposes. So whether you are single or whether someone is married, we need to view both of these things as a gift from God. But here's the issue. There are some that view singleness as a curse, and some view marriage as a curse, but Paul says here that both are a gift from God. And so marriage is, is great, and I'm glad that God's given it to us, but it should not be what we live for ultimately. And listen, um, look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32, where Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So what is Paul's point? I think he's saying this, that both marriage and singleness both have their advantages and their drawbacks. Now listen, Paul is not bashing marriage, but I think he's simply pointing out the obvious. When you are married and you have a family, things change. Your priorities change. So Paul wasn't married, but so he was able to travel around as a missionary and go to, from place to place, city to city, church to church, and encourage them and bring the gospel because he didn't have a wife and kids at home. So if Paul had been married, things would have looked different for Paul. Now listen, I, I love my wife and kids, and I would not trade them for anything, but my life looks different now that I'm married versus when I was single. You see, when you're, when you're married and you have kids, you've got others to consider now. And life just moves at a slower pace when you've got a family. I think back several years ago, uh, I forget when this was, but my, um, we put our kids in bed, and we're going to watch a movie, and so we sit down on the couch, we pull up Netflix or whatever it was, and we're about to start watching the movie. And then I see out of the corner of my eye, my daughter, like, walking towards the kitchen and looks kind of strange. I can't quite make out what I'm looking at here. And she's walking toward the kitchen, and she kind of has this weird, like, zombie look to her. And I look closer, and she has throw up just all over the front of her pajamas. And I, and I spring off the couch, and I go to help her. And um, my wife starts tending to her and getting her in the bath and everything. And then, and then I walk into her room. And it was like I entered this, like, zone of, it's like I became enveloped, like, in this smell inside her room. It was, like, all over her bed and all over the floor and just everywhere. And so we have to go, I'm trying to, like, how am I going to clean this up? This is disgusting. And I've got one of those, like, really bad gag reflexes where I'm now going to do what she did, you know? And uh, so wife, my wife is tending to her, and I'm kind of trying to clean up the room. And I've got to take her, like, mattress off the bed, her sheets, her comforter. Like, I'm out on the, the front driveway at midnight, like, hosing down her comforter on the driveway. Like, I'm cleaning up a murder scene or something like that. And so it's just this big mess. This goes on until like 2 o'clock in the morning. And then the next day, it's, the smell's like in the carpet. It's just disgusting. 
And the next day, I think, is a Thursday, which is like my, my big sermon prep day for the weekend. And instead of being able to work on that, I, I go to Lowe's, get one of those like carpet cleaner things, go rent that. And I must have cleaned that carpet like 20 times in her room, and I would smell, and it would still smell. I'd do it again, I'd do it again, do it again. I spent hours on this thing. And so this goes on, so like it takes up most of the day, right? And then a couple days later, Landon did the exact same thing. And so it was round two. And so I tell you all this just to let you know that when you, when you have kids, like you will have plans, plans to just relax and do what you want to do, and then stuff like that will happen. Or plans to, to do your job or to do something related to your job or your work, and then things will just change those plans. So I planned to spend most of that Thursday like working on a sermon. That didn't happen. It got pushed back to the next day. And so life just moves slower. It's a different pace whenever you have a family. But on the other side of things, marriage also opens up a door for all kinds of ministry. Like one of the things that I love to do now is I love doing counseling with couples before they they get married. I love that. And I love being able to like officiate weddings. And I, I love being a part of that. And so marriage also opens up a door it's also a gift for certain kind of ministry. And so I know I made, I made a joke about this at the beginning of the talk, but let's just, let's be honest. Many of us care more about our relationships with the opposite sex than we do about our relationship with God. You, you know, relationship series always make high school students more interested in church. It just, it just happens. But your relationship with Jesus has to be primary. It's got to be central. I like what Ben Stewart says. He writes, when you have a source of life, you are a source of life. So when Jesus is your life source, you will then have something to offer into a relationship one day. But if you're just coming to church or just coming to even this series just to get some tips and some points about, like, the dating life, but you have no real interest in a relationship with Jesus, you're building up a house of cards that's going to one day collapse. And so when you have a source of life, you are a source of life. And you can be that for someone else in in that relationship. So here's the big idea. During this series, we want you all to see the bigger picture. That God's ultimate desire is that you see both singleness and marriage as a gift from God. You see, both are an opportunity for God to work in you and to use you in in special ways. And even though we're going to say a lot about relationships, we want to remind you that even marriage isn't permanent. Do you guys know that? Marriage is actually a temporary arrangement. That's why we see over in, you know, Matthew 6, verse 33, what we should live for ultimately But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a guy named uh, Tommy Nelson, a preacher, who once said, when it comes to relationships, you set your sight on the will of God, and you run as fast as you can toward that. And then as you're going along, you might see someone who's running along right next to you in the same direction, and they happen to be attractive to you. And then you say, okay, do you want to run together? 
that's really what marriage is. I was really encouraged by uh, when, when Chase Bowers performed, he did his daughter's wedding, uh, Maddie. Um, he said this statement. He said when he talked to uh, Danner, her husband, he said that I just see Maddie and I going in the same direction, and I'd like to have her come with me. That, that, he said this exact statement almost to Chase. It's so encouraging to hear someone say that at a young age, that they see the, the greater purpose of marriage isn't just marriage itself. It's meant to point something to something much greater and much better, and it's meant to point beyond itself. And so as we talk about the future in relation to marriage or singleness, let's think about the future, ultimately, kingdom of God. I love what John Piper says in this long quote. He says, God promises you blessings in the age to come that are better than the blessings of marriage and children. I am not sentimentalizing singleness to make the married people feel good, but I am declaring the temporary and secondary nature of marriage. Marriage and family are temporary for this age. The church is forever. I am declaring the radical biblical truth that being in a human family is no sign of eternal blessing, but being in God's family means being eternally blessed. Relationships based on family are temporary, but relationships based on union with Christ are eternal. Marriage is a temporal institution, but what it stands for lasts forever. So renounce the primacy of your natural relationships and follow Jesus into the fellowship of the people of God. Marriage is temporary, and it will finally give way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, Christ and the church. Marriage is light and momentary, but Jesus and the church are eternal. So my hope for you is that for some of us right now, a romantic relationship is, is all we're living for. And if we continue down that pathway, you're, you're never going to understand what it ultimately points towards. This series is going to be about that. We're going to be pointing, using the relationship that God has given us as a blessing and as a gift to show you what it ultimately points to and should point to in your life. So 